Hey guys, welcome to the Bowhunting Soul Podcast. Thanks for joining me again. Okay, so today's episode, I have a guy by the name of Zach Owsley. Uh, some of you guys might know him if you are into saddle hunting, mobile hunting, that kind of stuff. He's got a, a channel on YouTube called Aerial Assault. Now, Zach is a, um, I mean, he's just like an everyday, like normal guy. He's not quote unquote like in the industry, but he tests and, um, you know, does reviews on all the sort of stuff that has kind of gotten popularized with, especially with the, with the, you know, popular popularization of, of saddle hunting and mobile hunting and, and that sort of stuff. So he reviews like saddles, climbing sticks. Uh, you know, some stands, uh, platforms, that kind of stuff. So um, he he kind of approaches it from the point of view of like, look, you know, I'm going to review this thing honestly, and I'm just going to kind of give my opinions, uh, the good and the bad. And if it's something that you, you know, feel like you should try or if it's going to work for you, then go ahead. He's not trying to push a particular product or anything like that. So uh, I, I really like that. We get into discussing about, you know, a little bit about the, the industry kind of thing of uh, uh, of other, you know, videos that are out there and then products that are that the people are trying to push and things like that. Um, you know, he does say, of course, that he does get some stuff uh, for free to try and um, evaluate. But, you know, from obviously and he says this but from 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 my point of view as well from from watching his stuff uh he's not really pushing a particular product he's very honest about whether uh you know something is good not good that kind of stuff so we kind of get into that we get into mobile hunting we get into some problems with uh, uh you know the good and the bad of saddles and stands and you know which is better and, and that kind of stuff and then we kind of uh, pivot a little bit into his um uh hunt this year earlier this year in uh, Oklahoma and he shot a really really nice buck and uh, this is I believe is his biggest uh, buck with a bow uh, he's primarily he says a gun hunter um, and he's um, hunting a lot in Tennessee but uh, he made it you know he makes you know uh, uh, out-of-state you know hunts and things like that so this one was to Oklahoma we get to talking about that kind of stuff we get to talking about this particular deer and uh, what he did to uh, to capitalize on it and actually as I'm recording this, I'm actually recording this like a week or so, a week or two after we actually recorded the actual episode. It is like November 14th or something like that now. Um, his video on that buck just went live on his channel just just the other day, yesterday, the day before, or something like that. So definitely go check it out. So um, yeah, other than that, I don't really have uh, any other real updates, I guess. I've done more kind of midday scouting. Um, still am not able to go and sit like prime time you know mornings are out evenings are out right now so i'm kind of walking around midday i went to some pretty cool spots i actually found the other day a primo primo spot i'm so excited about it but i was only kind of able to hang out kind of midday on the ground i didn't have my stick i didn't or, you know sticks i didn't have my uh sa a saddle or a tree stand or anything like that but finally finally I've run across, you know, fresh sign, fresh poop, uh, rubs like crazy in, 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 in an area, in, in an area that's a transition between one bedding area and what could really realistically be in another area. But I think I know what his main bedding area is. And I can actually get into some trees there. Um, I'm really, really, really excited about it. I just need to be able to actually go and do that and sit, uh, sit till close. So I did this uh, last week, late last week. I found a new spot. Uh, super excited about this spot. 
Um, you know, it's an area that I didn't think was open uh, to, to, to public hunting, and, uh, and and it is. So I was able to get back there, and it was more, like I said, midday scouting, but I was just so jazzed to be able to find that spot. Um, hopefully, I, I don't know, maybe other people have found it too. Hopefully some of this pressure is going to die out. Now, one thing that's kind of good and bad, I guess, but... Um, a lot of areas around here where I hunt used to be open to firearm hunting. A, a lot of the, uh, the, the the wildlife refuges and the, uh, the WMAs, uh, wildlife management areas, they used to be open to, um, see in Minnesota you've kind of got like this east-west line or like a, like a northwest-southeast kind of line that, that separates you know, that, I, that I typically hunt whether it's bow or not. Some are archery only, uh, have always been archery only. Some of these other ones have been um, this is a public land we're talking about, have been uh, firearms. Firearms are open for the firearm season. Well, this year, all of them, almost all of them, except for one, I believe, that's a little bit farther south than me, south than me, is, is archery only. Now, I think that's a good thing, personally. Now, number one, I kind of bum because I do pick up the rifle. Uh, it's usually one of the few ways that I actually, like, able to shoot a deer because, you know, I'm just not that successful a bow hunter. But, um... So I, I, I was, I was, you know, I got my rifle tag and all that stuff, obviously. And then I was kind of looking like, man, where can I go locally? Just kind of walk around for, you know, if I'm going to do midday hunts or whatever. then I'm like, oh, this is archery only. Oh, this is archery only. Oh, this is archery only. Now that's good and bad. It's kind of bad for me because I, you know, because it's like I, I kind of, after being frustrated with, with just, you know, carrying a bow for a while, it, it's, I, I'm, I'm 100% okay with, with picking up the cheater stick and walking around with uh, like that, just, just to try and to, to shake things up a little bit, just to carry a different weapon. Um, the good news is though, is that I think it's going to deter a lot of people in the firearm season. Um, and uh, I don't know, may maybe that's wishful thinking, I'm not sure. So firearm season's almost over here as far as, uh, well, like we got different zones. Uh, I did go up to uh, Buddy's property, uh, same place where I shot my doe last year. I went up last week uh, for the day, saw nothing except at, at like literally like three minutes before legal shooting light, um, a, a deer stepped out into the neighboring uh, field, uh, you know, permission to kind of hunt on the edge there. But, you know, this thing was too far away. I it, it just wasn't worth a shot. So um, I think I'm going to go up again this week, hopefully in a, in, a, in a next day or two. And then, but I really want to give this other uh, place, th this this hot sign area nearby here. Um, it's only about 15 minutes away from my house. I want to I want to check that out. Uh, hopefully, no one else has gotten in there and disturbed anything. I don't know. Um, I want my scent and my disturbances and everything like that to kind of settle down. So whatever buck is in there, if he's still in there. Uh, is is kind of calm back down again and I just want to go in like one kind of surgical strike I know the exact tree or at least cluster of trees that I want to sit in um, It's basically like my best chance I've had all year. I mean it is so fresh I mean, I, I literally just got so excited when I walked in there. I'm like holy moly I need to be here, but you know, I couldn't have to leave early um, Again midday uh, You know family life dad life I had to pick up my kid from school. So um, It turned into a, uh, a scouting trip with uh, you know, just sitting on the ground uh, in, in, a, in, a, in a stool for like three hours or two hours three hours or whatever but um i definitely i, I want to go back there so anyway i think that's that's really it hopefully uh hopefully i can get something down with with a rifle um you know i have uh no shame and no qualms about doing that because i like deer i like deer meat and uh like i said it's kind of good to shake it up uh shake it up a little bit to to carry uh, a different weapon so anyway that's kind of the update for um 
for what I've got. Oh, yeah, by the way, uh, since this episode is kind of about mobile hunting and saddle hunting and all that stuff, I sold that ultimate one stick. Now, you guys are probably saying, oh, my goodness, well, you, ha- you barely had it for like a few months. Well, all the stuff that, I, that I've been talking about lately about not being able to uh, hunt the way I want on the side of the tree that I want, if it's a leaning tree or a funky tree or something like that with a saddle, I'm, and I said I'm going to dedicate the rest of the season to hunting out of that Novix Hilo, and I am. So I couldn't justify keeping both of them. And I thought, well, you know, if my problems with with the saddle and trying to lean off to the side or a leaning tree or this and that uh, were was was the fact that the tree was leaning and it's a it's and it's saddle hunting in general that I'm not being able to get some of those shots. Um, then regardless of what st- uh, stick or stand or whatever I'm standing on, that's not the issue. And I thought, well, if I'm going to, you know, if, if I, I didn't sell my saddle, I'm not going to sell my saddle, but I can still climb a tree. I can still one stick with, with the, with the Hawk Heliums. You know, it's not as easy. Obviously it's not as bomb diggity Cadillac, uh, you know, stick as the ultimate stick. I mean, I think it's really, really nice, but, um, if I needed to, and I can stand on, and, and I did it like, you know, for the first, you know, first half of the first season that I that I started saddle hunting, I can stand on my uh, on my sticks on my on the top on my top of my hawk helium stick just on the pegs. It's not that bad, you know. It's really not that bad. Um, so, you know, and most of the time you're in a platform. For me, I'm kind of on the on the edge, kind of on the balls of my feet. Anyway, uh, you know, it's not as comfortable, obviously, but it's it, it's doable. So, if I still wanted a one stick, and if I still wanted to, or just carry a bun, you know, a few sticks, and climb the sticks and stand on top of my stick, then that that's what I'm going to do. But anyway, so the ultimate one stick is gone, uh, not because there's anything wrong with it. I just couldn't justify keeping both of them, and it's an amazing, amazing stick. So, so definitely, if you guys are interested and you, and you want to get one, you know, uh, get a hold of Dano uh eastern woods outdoors and you know get get on the waiting list because i'm telling you if that's if that's the direction you want to go you guys you guys are going to love it so again i'm just kind of transitioning into trying different things and uh, so that one had to go so anyway uh that's really about it i've babbled long enough i apologize for that if you guys uh uh, get this. I don't know if I'm going to get another one out before Thanksgiving or not. It's really tough with hunting season with everybody uh, uh, lining up guests and, and my schedule too. Um, a lot of times things that I could do like midday, I'm out walking around in the woods, to be honest. Um, you know, I just, the podcast is kind of taking a, a backseat as far as that's concerned. But anyway, I've rambled on long enough. Uh, apologize for that. So hope you guys enjoyed this episode with Zach Owsley of Aerial Assault. starting there we go all right so we have a very tired and busy zach owsley uh the boning soul podcast thanks for uh thanks for coming on i appreciate it i appreciate you having me Amber. so you've been up you said since four o'clock this morning um to go hunting and then we're doing this at nine o'clock uh, central time so you're you've got to be exhausted i'm not going to keep you on super late tonight i, I kind of know how that grind goes You've got a young child uh, that you said uh, is kind of keeping you guys uh, just chasing after her, learning learning to walk and, you know, like you said, 90 miles an hour, you know? That's absolutely right. Yeah, she's uh, she's 11 months or about to be 11 months. So we're, we're getting close to that year. So it's a, she's at that point to where she has way more energy than we have. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, yeah, both. my daughter went from like crawling to oh, she's nine now. But like when when she was learning, she basically she went from rolling around, 
she didn't really even like crawl very much. She kind of rolled around, rolled around, you know, when they do the rolling around thing. And then all of a sudden, like she, she just stood up and started walking. You know, there was no in between, like, I'm going to crawl there, crawl that. So, and then she, it's, yeah, I, I, I kind of hear you. Then it's just been chasing after her ever since. Well, me and my wife are both losing weight. And I think it's just from keeping up with her. We're not doing anything special, you know. <laughs> Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. By the way, if anybody listening, if um, if if I, I think like if we, I was talking to you about it, you're gonna sound great on this. I'm doing this on my phone because um, I think people who listen to the show know my computer woes, and it just it just didn't decide to to, to wake up and. And, and fire up Skype tonight. So if I sound a little a little different, that's that's why. But um, anyway, so uh, Zach Owsley, uh, where where are you located? Uh, kind of give us like a little uh, kind of synopsis of kind of where you are, what you do. Uh, yeah, I'm located in Northwest Tennessee, so I'm about an hour and a half north of Memphis. You know, most people know where Memphis is. So uh, basically, right on the Mississippi River. Uh, I work in Arkansas, though, so. Where I'm located, you know, you can be in Missouri in 20 minutes and Arkansas within about 35. So I work in Arkansas. I work for a steel company there. Um, that's my daily life. But, uh, you know, my passion has always been to deer hunt. That's my number one thing I've done since I was probably 10 years old. And that's uh, kind of what led me to even, you know, guys like you to even know who I am today. Yeah, so you obviously grew up hunting. Uh, big hunting family, or is it just something? Well, obviously at ten years old, right? But I mean, did uh, was it just like your dad, mom, or just everybody, or who who kind of got you into it? Yeah, it was, it was just my dad, and really my dad grew up as a small game hunter. You know, uh, squirrels, rabbits. Uh, but my okay, so a guy that my dad graduated with, they were you know somewhat friends growing up, but he married my mother's cousin. He started deer hunting. And as he started deer hunting, he started asking my dad to go. And so I guess when I was younger, you know, before 10, they wouldn't let me go before I was 10 because we grew up hunting public. So it isn't like we had, you know, preset stands and things that we could do. So right. uh, it, it was just tough hunting. You know, you can't take foilers out there, stuff like that. So uh, he and my dad basically were learning to hunt. And when I you know, turned 10, I got to start tagging along a little bit. Uh, I think by the time I was 12 or 14, I was climbing in a climber by myself. Um, you know, but that's really how it started. I guess you could say that they uh, kind of got a head start for me on the learning process as far as whitetail goes. Mm. And, um, but we were still all learning together, you know, by the time I was 10, because they had only been doing that you know, they had only been deer hunting uh, probably about eight years at that point. And, you know, it, it's not like they were learning from somebody. So they were very green as well. But, you know, I, that was an eight-year head start for me. And, and now that's kind of what got us to where we're at now. Uh, you know, I'd say we're all pretty accomplished hunters at this point as far as me, my dad, and Terry, uh, who is my dad's hunting buddy. Now, was that uh... – you said they started off small game, obviously, but did, is that kind of how you started off too? Or was it, uh, and then did you go just right into you know, shotgun, rifle, bow? Like how was your kind of first, first, uh, few years there? Yeah. So like before I was 10, I got to go squirrel hunting and do those things with shotgun. So, I mean, I was familiar with guns and the hunting process and things like that, but just for deer hunting, I wasn't allowed to do that until I was 10. 
But here in West Tennessee, I mean, like, uh, or Tennessee in general, it's a huge gun state. Uh, I don't even think I ever went archery hunting until they made crossbows legal. <clears throat> and then I started doing some crossbow hunting. And then as I got older, I could draw back a bow. But uh, for the most part, it was, it, you know, when I was real small, but yeah, I, I was never really into that much. Um, it just never really enticed me. But whitetail right from the get-go, you know, that was always that thing that I was always facing. Sure, sure. Like I, um, I remember being a kid and sitting at home just before I could go, and you'd be waiting on Dad and his friend to get back just to see what they brought. You know, and 99% of the time it was nothing. But that one, you know, it, it, was, it was almost that same excitement being home waiting to see what they had gotten that day. Yeah, no, I... I I, I can imagine, uh, I can imagine the excitement there. My, my, my daughter's a little, a little bit into that, you know, she kind of asked me about it, but she doesn't quite have like the, like the passion, you know what I mean? Like she, she wishes me luck, but she's like, did you catch anything? No. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> on to the next, you know? <laughs> right. So, um, okay. So when, when did you have a uh, first success as a, uh, as a young hunter there on deer at least? Uh, I, I, think it was around 15 years old 14 or 15 uh, i was in high school uh I, I remember it vividly it was on a juvenile hunt and i shot a buck that morning um and then uh, it was actually like a year later i did the exact same thing so it was around that 14 to 16 year old range and then uh out of the same spot the next year the same you know time frame uh, I was able to shoot my first deer then too, but both of those were rifle kids. Like I said, we're, it's just a, Tennessee's a completely different state. Like when I went to Oklahoma this last week, you know, like everybody over there bow hunts in Tennessee, mm -hmm. I would say less than 20% of the people who hunt all year long, hard bow hunt. Really? You know, even during bow season, you know, you know, very yeah. few people who actually take a bow out. Because rifles just so long, like our muzzleloader season will open up this Saturday, which is what, November the 6th, something like that. And then it'll be open for either muzzleloader or rifle all the way to like January the 10th or 11th. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So whenever you're hunting a mature buck in Tennessee, he's mature for a reason. You know, he's lived <laughs> a long time without getting shot with a rifle. So, yeah. Lots of, Holy lots. I, I had no idea. I mean, so so what are the what are the like the limits there then? I mean, do they kind of um, you know uh, limit that or uh, I mean, how do you uh, how do you guys as, not shoot them all out? Well, as far as limits, it's very liberal. Um, statewide, uh, there's different units, but uh, unit L is your most popular, and the doe limit in unit L <clears throat> during gun season is like. It's what I like to call all you can eat. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's three does a day for the entire period Whoa. of gun season. Holy. And, and then two bucks. Uh, and then we also currently in the last three years have created a CWD unit, which has made things just a huge pain in the butt. And uh, the state, you know, there's a lot of people who really disagree with the way the state is approaching attacking CWD. But like right now, those CWD units, it's three does a day and two bucks. 
they don't have a muzzleloader season. They only have a bow season, and it goes right to rifle. If your buck comes back CWD positive, you get another buck tag. If you've killed two does and get those tested, then you get a third buck tag. If you kill another two does and get those ticks tested, you get a fourth buck tag, and it's just unlimited. And so they're just trying to kill off that. They pretty much kill off anything in that CWD area, pretty much, or, or limited to. And that's what it sounds like, right? I mean, that's exactly their approach. Yeah. Proven not to work in other states. I'm completely against it. You know, if I kill my two bucks, I'm done. You know, I, I don't care what the law says. I guess there's a slight chance that if a booner showed up in one of my spots that was inside that zone. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, it did for some reason it did like the ringtone again for so yeah. So I mean, yeah, that that's been like it's it's God hotly debated, right? And and you know we can or can't you know argue this. I, I don't really care one way or another because um, I, I don't really have any thoughts on it because uh, I don't I don't really know I don't really know what the hell to believe. But like Wisconsin, for example, right? They've been trying to kill off the deer in in, in CWD areas in Wisconsin for four years, and it seems like the data is coming back saying it really doesn't work. Like you're saying, you know, and that's all, that's all the data from everything. And, you know, yeah. it's been in places like, I believe, Wyoming since the 70s or it's Wyoming or Colorado or maybe both. You know, it's been over there since the 70s. They still have a really nice deer population, especially mule deer population. CWD is found in mule deer, too. I, mm-hmm. I just get it. I, I do not get the let's save the deer by killing the deer tactic that that makes zero yeah. sense. you know yeah uh, you, you uh, kind of make you kind of make the parallel to covid right my, my, my it, it's out there it, it's out there I, I don't think you're gonna ever stop it i don't think you're ever gonna you know really contain it i think you just kind of got to deal with whatever whatever the consequences are and whatever the hell we find out about it you know what i mean it's it's like um that that's the other side to it too it's like okay so so what if what if it, it's positive right i mean does it does it affect humans not affect humans uh there's there's so little money nowadays um there, there was I, I guess like four or five years ago three four years ago whatever it seems like there was kind of like a spike in interest in um cwd research uh you know as, as it pertains to like hey you know what is really going on what's really the risks you know to humans kind of thing and then it just seems like, you know, ever since, uh, you know, COVID came along, I guess, or other stuff came along, I really haven't heard a whole lot like of talk in the in, in the deer industry, let's say, about about, you know, pr- pursuing any other like further like like testing or or uh, or, or science behind it. I mean, uh, have you? Uh, I have just because I'm in the area, you know, I'm in the area where yep. it's going. Uh, I, my county currently doesn't. But. One county that I hunt in is considered actually two counties I hunt in. No, one is considered high risk, other is positive. Um, but I mean, I hear, but it, it's all in in mine and most people who I'm associated with. It's all about money. I mean, like the amount of deer that Tennessee was testing before the government started <clears throat> offering grants was very minimal. The year that they come out offering a huge grant to states to attack CWD, all of a sudden, mm-hmm. the entire state, we found an 
active population that was actually so thick with CWD that it's obviously, you know, it had been prevalent there sometimes. So they didn't really care that we had it full. Obviously, they care that we have it. So they're getting money for it. That's the way it comes across to us. Yeah. Yeah. What, um, just and you don't have to answer this or whatever if you don't want to, but just on a personal thing, like what what is your take? Like, I mean, if you were to shoot a CWD deer, right? What what are you Zach going to do with it? What, what's what's your thoughts on it? it? It'll probably be eaten by the time I got the results back. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's just the truth. I mean, I mean like, yeah. If the deer was visibly sick, maybe I wouldn't eat. You know, right? If the deer wasn't visibly sick, there's no Deer to human uh, exposure, you know, like it's shown that humans can't get it so far, you know, and they yeah. say, well, it's possible. And everything that I've read and studied on, which I've done quite a bit, seems to be that as long as you're not getting like brain tissue, that's the, mm-hmm. the pain spinal area, fluid and right, that it is. I, we're not getting that out of a deer, you know. And right. I, I don't see an issue myself. Um, maybe I wouldn't let my daughter eat it, but me. And I was going to ask you that too. Yeah, would you feed it to your kids? You know, that that's like the uh, the thousand dollar question, right? Uh, yeah, and I mean, I, I probably not, just because of the you know I would do anything for her, mm-hmm. uh, but. I still don't see an issue with it. You know, I mean, does that make sense? I mean, like, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much in agreement with you. You know, um, we, we like in, in the area I hunt now, they are institute cause it's growing here. Right. So now last year it started, they're instituting a CWD monitoring zone. So if you shoot a deer in this, in this particular zone, um, and, and these zones are spreading just, just as you know, uh, you have to do, you know, cut the head off, draw. I mean, they've, you know, all of a sudden, like in these public places now, they've got huge dumpsters and they've got a site there where you can almost like process your deer and you can cut the head off and you tag it, put it in the, you know, in this bin. And if you want to, you know, discard the carcass, there's a giant dumpster and it, it stinks to high heaven because it's rotting carcasses in there. You can dump the carcass. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so it, it, it's, it's, yeah. It's very strange. It used to be in this like localized pocket, you know, in uh, in the Rochester area here in, in Minnesota, and then in a couple other smaller, um, smaller units. But now, like in in pretty much like the southern like like Twin Cities metro area, it's pretty much all like CWD monitoring. And, and you know, if you shoot, I haven't shot one yet, but if you shoot one in that area, you got to do that. You got to do that whole whole testing thing. And you know, I, I, I don't know. It's um, I'm, I'm really, I, I definitely would not feed it to my daughter, just, just, just like, just like you, but I'm, I'm not sure that if I were to shoot something, I'm like, man, you know, it's, it's just the meat, you know, but, uh, again, I'm not a biologist, so I, 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 you know what I mean? And they say all this stuff about like, um, they, they can't, they, they can't, you know, show a link or, or anything like that to, to humans, but then like, there's, you know, the, the potential that there's like some other human diseases that could potentially have been like misdiagnosed in the past. You know what I mean? That that could have been, I don't know. Who knows? It's, yeah, it's, know. um, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I didn't want to get all like doom and gloom about CWD, but, uh, it sounded like you had an interest in it. So I just wanted to kind of pick your brain about it. It's one of those things that's prevalent in my area. So I have some knowledge of it. 
know, I have my own opinion. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Again, like I said, they're they're doing that. They're doing that whole. It seems like the the message isn't as uh, loud. I think as what Wisconsin did, and I think maybe uh, they learned a lesson from that because Wisconsin pretty much said we're trying to kill them off in these areas. Um, it sounds like they're almost trying to do the same thing here in Minnesota. They're just not saying it, <laughs> you know, but everything else points to like, hey, cut the head off and you can dump the carcass here if you don't want. You know what I mean? It's it's uh, I don't know. And they've got they've got some different seasons, like additional seasons, you know, for um, uh, in, in the CWD, you know, intensive areas and stuff. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll uh We'll, we'll we'll see what happens, and um, you know if I shoot one, I'll uh, <laughs> I'll have to make that decision again, I suppose. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So I kind of want to fast forward here then. So uh, again, enough with the with the doom and gloom about CWD, but um, uh, you you've got a pretty pretty cool channel, Aerial Assault, right? Um, I subscribe to it. I watch your stuff. Uh, and I'm, I've actually brought it up on my computer here because it, it did bring up YouTube, even though it didn't want to bring up Skype. Um, you got a lot of stuff on here and you like reviewing. Uh, well, it seems like like mobile, mobile hunting stuff, right? Mobile hunting gear, saddles, platforms, sticks, uh, you know, mobile stands, that kind of thing. What 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 kind of brought you into that? What 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 sparked that? Um, that desire to like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to put myself out there on YouTube. Well, um, honestly, it's just kind of, it was kind of dumb luck. Um, I, when I first started, I've been mobile hunting since I've been hunting, you know, I mean, we used to use climbers, like I said, from the time. Mm-hmm. I was, but, um, when I first started mobile hunting, I, my whole thought process was I want to be as light as possible. So I went the wildest step route they had a platform kind of called Perch, and I got the Perch in, and it, it just didn't work the way they said it. No. And I took the Perch, and I added um, these little tabs that Wild Edge ended up calling wings. And at the time, when I added them, you know, that I mean, I think the thing was maybe a month old. Nobody had seen it at the time, or no, not many people had it. So I added these tabs, and it made it work much, much better. And and that's what you actually see in the Wild Edge Generation Two perch was my design. Really? And I was trying to add that to Facebook in a video, and it it wouldn't like it would not upload to Facebook. <laughs> so I started a YouTube account, uploaded the YouTube video, and just put the link on saddle hunter facebook page you know mm-hmm. and next thing you know you, i got two videos on there and both of them have been watched over a thousand times you know when people are leaving you know leaving comments like uh you know this community never ceases to amaze me and you know the the saddle hunter community is much different now than it was then it was a little bit smaller it wasn't growing yeah. as quick and there was just a lot more useful content or like new diy type stuff there's so much more available now than there was then too mm-hmm. but so i come up with that design and then i actually <clears throat> started kind of working with wild edge uh, because of that design i met those guys at that time in birmingham and they were coming out with a saddle called the yark uh that 
they were partnering with Arrow Hunter and another failed Wild Edge thing. And we won't go into all that. But basically, my time with Wild Edge was short. But I was able to film that saddle on my YouTube channel, you know, before it was released. And that started the, you know, hey, you know, there might be something here. But I didn't really want it to be reviews. Like, I did a video on how to paint uh, the Sitka pattern on your, you know, mobile gear. And like that's yep. one that blew up. And there and there's just been several of those, or there were several of those in the beginning. I was like, okay, I can do this. And it just became fun to me. And at the time, I didn't have children, you know. Um, I, don't think I, I wasn't married in the beginning, you know. So it was just, it was one of those things that, uh, you know, it was just a hobby for me at the time. And I didn't really ever plan to go straight you know, dive strictly down into the review category. That's just kind of a niche that I fell into. Um, but let's be honest, to get, you know, when you're on YouTube or when you're doing podcasts or whatever, you have to find the niche that gives you an audience, you know. Sure. And, and reviews have been what worked for me. I plan to eventually kind of venture out of that and maybe go much more broad um you know had a lot more hunts involved but mm -hmm. i mean to be able to, there, there's a thousand people hunting on youtube you know there's only so many of us who do these reviews consistently so right. but my my thought process was i'm just going to keep doing these reviews and then it become a you know like i said i fell into that niche but it almost kind of become like a duty to the community to the mobile hunter community like when you start giving honest reviews that even the people who work for those companies are mad and, you know, they're, they're, they're saying things online and trying to discredit you. And then the product mm -hmm. is released and everybody's like, he was right. You know, it kind of yeah. gives you that feeling of people start to trust me. <clears throat> and that meant something. So that's kind of, that's kind of what got me going down this road. And that's what's kind of kept me on this road for so long. And I think if you go through and watch some of my reviews, I don't think you're going to find anything that I'm just completely dishonest about. You know, I try to give my opinion on whether the company's going to like it or not. That's what it's going to be. Yeah. Um, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I hear what you're saying on that. It's... um. When when I started my channel, right, it was it was kind of the same thing. I was like, okay, well, maybe I can contribute something, right? Um, maybe the way I learn things is everyone calls me like, especially my wife, because says I'm really repetitive, right? Well, that's just the way I learn. So I'm like, well, you know what? Maybe there's other people that learn that way. Maybe there's other people that are kind of behind this this journey, whether it's hunting or um, you know, I got I'd gotten into into traditional like bow hunting, right? So. I was kind of, let's say, ahead of some people, but certainly not, you know, at the head of the game kind of thing. But there's you're always there's always going to be people like, uh, quote unquote, behind you that, that are not as experienced. And it was it was a, it was the same kind of thing. It's like, OK, well, I'm going to start maybe making these videos and, and, and documenting some of the stuff and maybe doing gear reviews. And what you said about when people all of a sudden start interacting with you um, and, and I don't mean this to sound like um anything bigger more or more, more important than than like i am or you are or whatever but you know in spite of the, the term in spider-man you know with with great power comes great responsibility have you ever heard that right yeah 
Right. So I don't remember exactly what it was, but there's a light bulb moment when you're looking through comments and you're like, holy shit, someone's asking my opinion for something. You know what I mean? And yeah. And you're like, Oh, okay. I, I, and I, until, until that point, I'd never actually even thought about it that way before. It's like, well, you know what? I, I better be on my game and be pretty like, not that it's going to be dishonest, but I mean, I'd, I'd better be very accurate in the things that I'm saying because someone is counting on what what my opinion is and they're seeing me as you know for some reason they're seeing me as a quote-unquote subject matter expert or at least that's more experienced in whatever we're talking about than than they are you know what i mean and it, it kind of hit me like okay well i better i better you know make sure i keep everything kind of ship shape and, and not get anybody into trouble and give as honest uh, an, an opinion or, or or you know whatever as i can uh, absolutely and and, and I'm with you, you know, there's a time definitely in the beginning, you know, if you're reviewing a product, you don't want to make anybody mad. Some people, mm. and you know, I've gotten some free things and uh, not a lot. I mean, most of the stuff I pay for myself, but some of these things have gotten free. And when you get it, you, you don't really want to say anything bad about it, especially in the beginning, because you feel like you're doing, you know, you're doing something for this company and they trusted you to do it. Sure. There become a point in time where like I would say something and then like you said, somebody starts interacting with you, asking you questions or your opinion or or they start commenting saying, Well, so and so said on his channel and that's when it's like <laughs> at this point I'm putting my name on it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. If I'm gonna put my name on it, it's gonna be exactly what I believe. And you know, there was a time where I wanted to rush out and get reviews out before anybody else, because that was the easiest way to get views. But sure. then, then you see there's problems that come up after you start using some of this stuff that you didn't know when you unboxed it or put it on a tree one or two times. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I'll, I'll speak specifically about a product recently, like XOP released some double step sticks. And you'll see I had two videos up on my channel. The the first set of sticks were, were awful. I mean, they were so much slop in them, and the bolts wobbled. And, uh, you know, I actually had somebody from XOP uh, publicly try to accuse me of loosening the bolts and doing some other things and, you know, said some negative things to me in a public form. And I would have thought it looked really bad on XOP. Until I said, look, man, it, it's not about calling your company or your product bad. It's a safety issue. Mm-hmm. As soon as I called it a safety issue, his whole demeanor changed. Uh, since then, I would say that I've become friends with the guy. You know, uh, but it's in that, you know, I get that people want to defend their product. But when I'm putting my name on that review, I'm going to tell my truth, you know, not what helps that person. Because I want, I want to tell people what helped you, you know, and you make a choice and how you're going to spend your money. I don't want to be the guy that caused you to spend your money on something that's junk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and I think there's so much out there. I mean, you and I probably watch all the same channels, or at least, uh, or at least a, a large majority of them, right? Because right. um, it's you know just similar interests, whatever. And it, and it seems like there's a lot of hey, here's here's the best way to do this, or here's here's a great way to do this, which is fine. But I don't see a lot of the, hey, here's the cons to this. 
you know, um, like, like I got in, I got into the whole saddle thing probably in, you know, I was one of the newcomers, you know, I was one of the, not, I want to say bandwagoner, but, um, uh, you know, when tethered first came out with the mantis, you know, like I, I got it that year. So like what, three years, three years ago, four years ago, whatever it was. Um, it, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just saying, yeah, three or four years ago, that's about right. Yeah. And so I was coming off of an XOP vanish, which I absolutely hated. Um, I didn't feel safe in it. I, I, I never, I, up until this year, and I'll get to that. Up until this year, I I never really felt comfortable like in in, in a tree stand. Um, I always thought they wobbled too much. Uh, you know, lean one way, lean that. You know, whatever. Uh, never had like a nice uh, you know hang on stand like a lone wolf or anything like that. But then I you know kind of I don't want to say cheaped out, but I bought the cheaper version, which is the Vanish of the of the assault, and um, I didn't like it. Um, you know, the back the the, the V on, on the back of the platform is too narrow. Um, it doesn't grip the tree as as well as like the lone wolf stuff does anyway long story short i i ended up selling that and i was gonna buy an assault and then this whole um saddle thing came along so part of the selling feature of this one was you know shoot 360 around the tree you know what i mean i've never found that i can shoot 360 around the tree to this day i can't do that you know maybe in an absolutely perfect condition with a compound which i'm not shooting a compound but um those kind of things are never really talked about like hey here's you know they sell you on this but here's some of the problems where you're going to have with with actually trying to you know do what they say that you potentially could do you don't you don't see a lot of the cons you know the the pluses and minuses in some of these uh, reviews and videos and and i agree with that and you know on the same part i feel like i can usually shoot 360 degrees but what people don't tell you is like when deer come in directly behind you it's your six o'clock you're having to turn around and now there's not a tree behind you like in a tree mm-hmm. stand when deer are behind you you have a tree to block your movement yeah only go behind you in a saddle you have nothing between you and the deer to turn around and look yeah. at then you're twisted like a pretzel for 15, 20, you know, however long they, like I've had groups of does come in and feed and, and you're just blind to half of them because you can't turn all the way around. And, right. and like I said, there are some definite drawbacks to a saddle that people refuse to admit. I don't think that there's any shot in a saddle that I could not make in a tree stand. And that's the argument that I've seen some of those guys, especially tethered guys make, you know, is that there's just so many more shot opportunities. I'm with you. That's, I don't believe that's true. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, anyway, it's just that, that kind of stuff, you know I mean? On the, you don't, you don't see a lot of the cons, I think. So, um, I, I don't know what we were talking about. We were talking about that I and mean, we can get back on track, but, um, yeah, I, I guess it was like honesty and reviews and that, and, and that kind of stuff. So uh, do, do you think it, it's gotten uh, better? Cause now that, uh, like more people know you, more people, you know, watch your, watch your channel. You've obviously reviewed, I'm looking at, I'm looking, uh, on your, on your channel right now. Right. But I mean, just, just to kind of name off, like, you know, you got the XOP stuff there, the one and the updated, you know, saddle packs, um, you know, trophy line wingman, latitude saddle, Novik stand, uh, shikar sticks. I mean, everything. Right. So do you are, are you approached by any of these companies now for any kind of um, feedback too? like has, has that attitude changed of instead of like kind of bashing you like, oh, why is this guy, you know, um, saying this versus like, hey, you reviewed this. Um, you said you said the attitude changed a little bit with the XOP thing. 
but are other companies kind of doing the same thing to you? Are you kind of, you know, being, being asked for your input? Uh, with some, yes, with some, no, you know, uh, there are certain companies out there, and I won't say any names, but I still think that they just want people to pat them on the back when they release a product. They don't want to know the, the actual, uh, you know, how does this work? Kind of, you know, what do you think about it? But I have a very good relationship with uh, Matt Garris out on a limb. Uh, now I also feel like uh, I got a pretty decent relationship with XOP, uh, Trophy Line, Novix. Um, you know, those are some companies who have reached out to me and said, hey, we got some products. Maybe we would like you to look at ahead of time. Uh, another one is TX5. I've worked very closely with TX5 in the building of their new saddle. I've actually run that saddle for over a year now. So, I mean, you can kind of, you know, it does it does have its perks. But at the same time, like I said, uh, there's also some of that difficulty, you know, it's Sometimes you're almost walking that fine line of telling somebody that their their products not what they think it is. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. you're trying to explain to them. I understand your vision, but here's the community's vision for the most part. You know, you can right. make that appeals to 10% of the community, but if the 90% of the community doesn't like your product, it's going to be a hard one to sell. Right. So in all this. Um and all this testing you've done, um, and this is, I mean, you've been doing this, uh, what, I'm looking at your videos here, so even like two years, right, basically, uh, two, a little more than two years, something like that is when the first one came out, so you've kind of like pretty much dove hardcore into testing all this stuff, reviewing all this stuff, what are you, <clears throat> what have you personally settled on, or have you settled on anything, um, like if, if, if the world running tomorrow and you, and you got to fill the freezer, Right. Like what, 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 what setup are you grabbing? Um, currently I am running a, a stick that I built myself. It actually had, you know, I'm running a one stick setup. Uh, I have, I have a TX five saddle. Uh, my one stick setup that I built myself, it has a, a trophy line wingman on top and it actually has XOP standoffs, uh, I don't even know whose tube I'm using for it. Probably a Novix tube. I mean, so it's just a, uh, it's not something you can go out and buy. I think it's only like 14 inches long, but the saddle setup is what has been my go-to for the sheer fact that it's my back when I'm walking, you know, like, like you were talking about the advantages and disadvantages of the saddle. I tell everybody all the time that the saddle wins from the truck to the tree and from the tree to the truck every single time. But yep. in the tree during the hunt, I believe a tree stand wins every time. I 100% agree with you. So I had to decide, you know, like, okay, if I'm hunting on a piece of, if I'm hunting on a piece of private and I'm not walking very far, you know, maybe a couple hundred yards, maybe I'll carry a stand or, you know, or maybe I have to tree stand. But if I'm going into a spot that's half a mile walk, I don't care how great a tree stand is for that three or four hours, the 30 to 40 minute walk that it takes me to get in somewhere when I'm trying to be quiet and make it through leaves or through limbs and brush and debris and all this stuff. And I'm trying to get to an area, the saddle just wins every time in that aspect. So that's why I chose the saddle, not because I think it's better for the hunting aspect, but because it just makes it more comfortable for me for where, 
you know, it's comfortable enough in the tree, but every time you go hunting, you're walking in, and as, so there's two trips, you know, into or out of the woods. You got one in and one out. There's only one hunt, so I think I have more trips in and out of the woods than I do hunts in a year. So I'm going to choose what <clears throat> for me to the truck and from the tree, you know. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with you. So the last two years I've been using uh, the Tacta saddle. Um, and, uh, I, I love it, you know, some people call it a thong, some people call it, you know, whatever, but it's, to me, it's just incredibly comfortable. I, I really, really love it. Um, being in the saddle is, is not a problem for me. And I've been, um, I've been one sticking. So the last two years I was using, uh, just like a hockey, well, no, yeah, it was a hockey helium stick with a, um, uh, artisan outdoor, uh, platform on top. Right. Um, you know, daisy chain, all that stuff. Well, this year I kind of shelled out for the, the Eastern Woods uh, Ultimate One Stick. So it's got that angle platform, which I'm really not a fan of the angle platform, actually. I don't end up using the angle part of it. I almost wish it was like half the angle that it is or even flat. I like that it's a lot of surface area and I like the wings. You can kick off the side kind of thing. But uh, the, the, the angle for me just, you know, for me, it doesn't it doesn't really do anything. But you know, this stick was such an improvement over, over the, the, the Hawk helium. Cause it's just, it's just stiffer. It doesn't flex. Uh, it, it bites the tree, like, like, like just stupid good, you know, it's really, and it's got the cam cleat and everything like that. And one sticking is so much easier, uh, with this, <clears throat> with this one than what I've been using before. But like for two years, it, it's kind of been nagging at me that kind of like we talked about with the negatives, um, uh, about this yes i can get into a lot of trees but you're and i i think people are like really sick of me call, saying this but i mean you're, you're a plumb bob you know you if, if there's a leaning tree or twisting tree or angle tree anything like that well gravity's going to want to pull you down to the lower side you know i mean that's that's just the fact and if you need to be on a certain side of the tree because that's the side of the tree that you need to be on to either shoot you know properly into a lane or be hidden and if that's the side that is not the side that gravity wants you to be on, then it's, you're going to have a miserable stand. You're going to have a miserable sit in that tree because you're constantly fighting, like twisting around and trying to follow the low side. And there, there was a couple situations like this year where it's, it's like, man, I, I need to be like, like 90 degrees from where I am. And I couldn't be 90 degrees from where I am. And then I just got to be like, okay, you know what? I'm going to shell out for uh, the Novix. So I got, I got the Novix Hilo. So I've got the one stick and I've got the Hilo. And I have like two sits in the Hilo. And I'm using that and three Hawk Helium sticks with a couple laters on them. So the weight difference is like enormous, right? I mean, we're talking like 20-some, 20 21 pounds for stick and stand, uh, sticks and stand versus like three and a half pounds for the one stick. Um, but the difference in in comfort in the tree is is huge so it's a tra it's a huge trade-off for me yeah and I, i'm gonna say that it's area specific you know like where i'm at there's a lot of straight tall trees so like when i was in oklahoma there's no way no way i could have saddle hunted those trees because they all grew sideways had twists and turns in them mm -hmm. and there are ways around that but like it, it so you're talking about on a leaning tree and you needed to be 90 degrees 
So like one thing that I learned from the guy who owns JX3, John Reed, he had, he talks about a T handle and, you know, he will actually take and screw a T handle into a tree. And then he takes a rope with a prusik on it and ties to his lineman belt. And so he'll put that on the high side of the tree and pull himself to where he needs to be. And then that, that rope holds him at the angle he needs to be. And then when he, if he oh, needs okay. the tree, he can just grab the prusik and it'll slide him around, you know, to the low side. Mm-hmm. It, it works really well, but it doesn't work on public, at least not legally. Right. Yeah. You can't screw into the tree. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. Just, just, just stuff, just, just, just stuff like that, you know, and, and um, at the end of the day, everybody needs to remember whether it's, you know, a saddle stand, uh, lock on climber, they're all tools and they can all be used in different situations. And in every situation, there's possibility for one to be better than the other. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I, absolutely. Again, I, I hadn't been, um, I mentioned earlier that I, I'd never been really comfortable in tree stands and I wasn't sure how I was going to be in this helo. But I can tell you for a fact that this thing bites the tree because the back is wider. The back of the platform, um, the V is wider. I got more teeth engagement. It doesn't rock left to right like the Vanish did. Um, rock solid. I mean, I, 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 I really, really like it. I'm like, oh, Okay, well, I'm not I'm not as uncomfortable as I used to be. Like one of the things I liked about being in a saddle was that you're constantly under tension, right? I had no problem hanging in a tree or being in a tree because you feel like something is physically holding you, which it is, and it's really really comforting. With a tree stand, where you kind of you know you've got to if it sways a little bit or if it if if you you know move one way, you know you got to kind of just kind of use your your it feels like you use like your stabilizer muscles, you know, in your legs to kind of like, you know, steady yourself kind of thing. Maybe it's just more mental, but uh, the, the, this, this particular stand is, is really helping me get over any of that kind of fear. Um, you know, but then you you run into other issues. Like the, the seat on this thing is too wide and I'm shooting a longbow. It's not even a long longbow. It's only a 56 inch longbow, but my lower limb um, I was noticing when I'm, when I'm trying to shoot and I don't like being far away from the tree. I don't like being at the edge of the platform. I'm like, you know, like a tree hugger almost. So I was, I'm, I was noticing that the lower limb was hitting when I have the seat flipped up was, was hitting the side of the seat a little bit. So guess what I did last night? I, I cut off, you know, a, a, a couple sections of that. Um, I'll even send you a picture of it uh, later, but I, I cut off a couple sections of that, of that, that seat part because First of all, the seat's way too big. I think it doesn't need to be that big, but I just couldn't help myself from from modifying it. You know, I I, I got I got to modify. That's actually a recommendation that myself and um, a great outdoors guy, Jace, his last name. I probably couldn't pronounce it if I could think of it. But he's on Facebook. It's called Black Outdoors. Uh, he and I both took notice. The seat is too big. You know, there's no reason to have a seat this big on a minimalist stand. Mm-hmm. And they said that, you know, looking at possibly next year. So we talked to the hunting beast guys. And they were like, oh, yeah, we're going to put up some scratch and dip seats, you know, and we'll sell them for you guys. They're like 110 bucks. So at that point, the helo is not very cost effective, you know. Right. So, yeah, but yeah, ex- exactly. Everything there's a plus and a minus to everything else. 
yeah, there's there's no there's no 100% solution. It seems like, and that's kind of the fun of it too, is um, you know just kind of tailoring your equipment to to what you need and 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 working out all the little kinks and. I mean, I'm sure you do it, whether it's, uh, you know, stance, sticks, whatever stuff you got to silence or, you know, stealth strip or or whatever, whatever you use or um, how you stack things, you know, minimize noise, you know, know, what kind of bungees you use and are they metal or not metal or what's going to clank. And um, that's yeah, that's part of the game, I think, of of what makes what makes some of this fun. So. Absolutely. Another note. That just kind of made me think of that. You know, you're talking about what you said silence and not silence. And, you know, I, and I'm not saying that that I'm the best reviewer out there. But one thing I will say, and, you know, from talking to you, you're not just a gear guy. You're also a deer hunter. And I think as, as the viewers, the viewers need to pay attention or at least try to pay attention to guys on these reviews and stuff who are just gear junkies. Because, you know, it's nice to know gear. But it's better to know gear and know how you're going to do that gear or how other right. people gear. And, you know, I think that's one thing that has helped me in these reviews and and helped, uh, you know, Jace with Michigan Great Outdoors as well, uh, helped Greg Staggs with Stags in the Wild. A lot of us guys around that same, you know, contribution level to the community is that we are all uh, pretty experienced hunters. You know, and so we're not just telling you about a piece of gear. Like we we have real world experience in those situations of how those pieces of gear will work. And that, you know, just mm-hmm. what you're talking about there kind of struck me, made me think along those lines. That's something that, you know, I think everybody as a viewer, if you're on YouTube, you know, you should, like you said earlier, that people were trusting you or kind of leaning on you to your opinion on something. You know, just because we say we like something, you know, we're never professionals. You know what I mean? None of us are professionals. But uh, some of us have more experiences than others, and those things should be taken into account. Sorry, I kind of got off on a little rant there. No, 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 that's that's fine. And and I try to be honest about, you know, I mean, I I haven't I still haven't shot anything with 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 my traditional ball. Right. Um, but I make that abundantly clear. It's like, here's what I'm trying. Here's what I'm doing. This is my experience level. You know, you're not going to I'm not I I'm I'm not going to be the guy to talk to you about like, no, you shouldn't use that broadhead. I haven't shot enough crap to tell you what broadhead you should or shouldn't use because so, I'm not going to I don't have like the, you know, the, the body count to be like, oh, this don't this doesn't work. And that one does. But, you know, the, the things that, that I do use in the field, you know, whether I'm like actually killing something or not is, yeah, I, you know, I, I put the, I put the stand up and here's what I noticed. Here's what I'm doing to fix it kind of thing. So hey, I'm, I'm with you. So it's not so much, as, you know, how successful you are. It's yeah. how much world experience you have and you have right. that for those things. Yeah, I was actually taking notes on my uh, on, on my phone and I got the little notes app. You know what I mean? Like the first time I put this thing in the tree, I'm like, oh, OK, uh, this this thing clanked. Uh, we're going to address that when we get home. And oh, this thing uh, shouldn't be on this side. It should be on, you know, it, this, this strap needs to be shorter or this thing needs to be on the left side instead of the right side. I'm going to take a note of that. So that's uh, it's, it's all the little little things that you kind of. So, you know, take note of and then and then fix. So you just kind of fine tune the whole process. So it's you know it's more it's more what is it like automatic? You know what I mean? The next time around without without running into little tiny problems. 
Yeah, it's all about creating habits, you know. Yeah. And if yeah, you yeah. like, if you if you ever get time, you know, I know you already one stick, but like I have a video on one sticking, and and you know, I I did my video after Greg and uh, Scott Hesterly had done that on on Stags in the Wild channel, and Greg mm-hmm. and I were talking. He was like, well, I'm just kind of, I'm thinking, you know, I don't know how well a one stick video will do because, you know, right now they're just so played out. He was like, because, you know, Tethered has a video up. I have that video up. DIY Sportsman has one. I was like, but I'm going to put my own spin on it. If it doesn't do very well on YouTube, then it doesn't do very well. But I'm going to show everybody exactly to the T of how I do everything, where I put everything, why I put it there you know, what I do every single step so that I can help them, you know, the stuff that took me three, four, five, six, seven, eight climbs to start piecing together those habits. You know, I can tell them habits from the get go so that they can learn, you know, without having to make that many climbs. And actually it's been a big hit. You know, that's one of my better videos, if not my best video on YouTube. Yeah. They get pretty popular. I I did one like, like, three years ago, two or three years ago, but that was with that hawk helium. And, and now I'm not using that one. And I, I thought about like, okay, well maybe I'll, I'll update it and do a, do a new one with this, um, ultimate, uh, uh, ultimate one stick. Right. But then like, there's, there's others that do the ultimate one stick. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to be adding anything. I'd, I'd just be pretty much like padding my channel. You know what I mean? Um, wow. But it's 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 nothing new that I'd bring to the to the game. Like everyone, you know, that uses this stick knows like, hey, if you jam it up, you know, it's got the little groove in the middle. You know, if you jam the stick up, you know, in front and uh, you know, uh, get it up underneath your tether, then it's going to hold your stick stick against the tree. And here's how you do this, and you know, reach down and grab that. So I don't know. I thought about redoing redoing my video, but I don't know that I'd have anything like really to add from from what's out there. You know, so some of the stuff you're like, okay. Um, I'll, I'll do something else, you know, and let, let, and let those guys, you know, let, let those guys, uh, those videos kind of stand on their own cause they're good. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So hundred percent. And, and I get what you're saying about adding your channel and things like that, you know, and, and there's certain videos that I wanted to do and then like other people did a similar video and it kind of, like you said, you, you don't have any value to add to the subject. There's no reason for you to pitch into it, and, and I'm with you 100% on that. Yeah. All right, so um, let's talk about – let's do like a hard pivot here. Uh, let's talk about your recent trip. Now, you went out to Oklahoma. Is that right? That's right. I went to north central Oklahoma around Enid. All right. I want to hear about it, and I want to hear about your deer. Okay. Uh <laughs> I, went to, uh, I went to Oklahoma. Uh, actually, Matt Garris with Out on a Limb is from Enon, Oklahoma. Uh, he had invited me up before, and I had planned on going to Illinois. And uh, some of you guys might be able to go check out my channel or look at Peterson's bow hunting, the November December issue. Uh, I built a van to be able to go out of state on these trips and stuff. And Matt had invited me up there at one point, and it, I just on a whim was like, you know what? I wonder if Matt's invitation is still open. So uh, I called him up. He was like, absolutely, you know, come on up. And the thing is, is that where Matt hunts, I couldn't hunt there. Like that's one of those places he can't take anybody. Right. But he had a commission 
on all these other places. And he was like, you're welcome to hunt public, but I have all these other places that are private places that I have permission on. I just, I don't hunt there. So like, I've not done a lot of work there. So he had one place that the week before I come, he went out and mowed it. And in Oklahoma, it's a baitable state, so you can bait. He had all these older stands that he still had set up there from years ago. He put out the bait, and when I got there, you know, we went and looked at some cameras and stuff. And he was like, well, what do you think? And I, you know, I said, I, I mean, I guess it's just completely different style hunting, you know, that I'm used to. He's like, well, we can look around if you want to. I was like, yeah, let's do that. So uh, there was a little creek on the property, and uh, kind of found a trail going down into the creek. Found a nice rug, a nice scrape, and I was like, this. So um, I hung a stand. We hung a stand there that day. That was on Friday morning. So I got down there on Thursday afternoon. We hung that stand on Friday morning. On Saturday morning, which was October 30th, I actually saw a 10 pointer, which ended up being the deer I shot. He, he actually has 12 scoreable points, but he's, he's a mainframe 10 with a broke G2. But I saw him on Saturday morning. Him two other does and another small buck and they just didn't do what i thought so i went back in there that afternoon and uh did not see a deer so at this point you know i'm two hunts into that stand i'm kind of worried about you know like i've maybe put too much scent in the area maybe i bumped a few deer i mean you know there's all these I really didn't want to hunt it again so i told my on sunday morning I told Matt that I wasn't going to hunt that spot. I was going to do something different. And we were halfway in to the area. And then I told him, no, I'm going to go back to that tree. <laughs> and so I went back to that tree. And, I mean, it was completely different than the other days. Um, right at daylight, I saw uh, two does. And they ended up being right up under me. And then they busted. And then uh, I had three dozen. Hang on, I'm going to stop you real quick. What, what kind of terrain is this? Uh, okay. Um, Oklahoma is, it's really what I like to call brush country. I mean, it's its pretty flat. Uh, where I'm at, that it drops down into the creek. But, I mean, you're talking about like a 50 to 75 foot elevation change. Not very much at all. Okay. So, it's more like cattle <clears throat> pastures with grown up pine trees and stuff like that. But the most hardwoods that I was able to find in the area was down in this creek bottom. But, you know, that first morning when I saw the 10-pointer, the other buck, and a couple of does, like it was like almost 10 o'clock that morning. So, you know, it was nearing the end of my morning hunt. But like I said, on Sunday morning, it was completely different. Like, I mean, I could hardly see. I already had two does on me. And then... Uh, like I said, I'm kind of down in a bottom, and the wind is blowing in my face. It's a north wind, and I'm expecting all the movement, whether they come from north, south, or the west, all the movement is going to be to the west of my stand. So I wasn't worried about the wind because it's blowing straight north. But that that small ridge system there kind of wrapped, um, I'd say, 180 degrees around me, so I had a small ridge in my west my north and the east and it was open behind me to the south but every now and then that wind would kind of shift from a north to a northeast 
And like I said, all the movement expected to be the west. I mean, it started swirling in there when it would, you know, when the wind would slow down. So about an hour after daylight, I had three does come up on me and they winded me right at that that nice rub that I found. And I yeah. was really considering getting down at that point. And I was like, you know, the wind's starting to swirl on me. In this bottom here, it's just not consistent. But I kept hearing what I thought were was a buck uh, making a scrape up on the ridge to the west of me. And I knew as long as he was up top, he wouldn't smell me. So I, and I knew that's the only way I could get out of there because I couldn't walk the east because of the property line. So I just I just decided to stay. I kept looking back that way. Right about 8.20, the wind started picking up and blowing very consistently out of the north. So I felt like I was good. And as I'm looking back that way, I hear signs in the trees because it's very uh, like dead branches it almost reminds you of like colorado you see guys elk hunting taking mm-hmm. dead branches and making trees that's what it sounded like i was like i know i hear a bug up there it's good it's gotta be one and all of a sudden i i see him on that small little ridge and he drops down i mean it was like i wrote the script and i mean he he crossed the first little feeder creek i'm sitting on the main creek as he crosses that feeder creek, that that rub is about 20 yards from me, and it's about 12 yards, I would say, from the feeder creek. He comes out of the feeder creek. He checks the wind. He walks right over to the rub, smells the rub. I'm sitting here filming him. I get him on film rubbing this tree for over two minutes. I mean, he's just shredding it. Um, and I actually didn't move the camera and I had it too far zoomed in. But he ends up working the scrape that I found, shot it right out of the scrape. He ran 50 yards and fell over. That was with a bow. So, so uh, it definitely was one of those moments to boost your confidence as a bow hunter. So sure, 50, yeah. 50 yards, shot him out of the scrape. You know, it was just picture perfect. Not my biggest deer, but it is my biggest deer with a bow. Uh Super pumped about it, and I still have one tag left in Oklahoma. If anybody wants to go hunt out of state, Oklahoma's a great state. 280 bucks, you can hunt archery from October 1st to January the something, and uh, you get six deer, two bucks. So really cheap tag, considering how much other states are. You know, like Illinois is 475, you get one buck and one doe. Oh, so it's 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 the one tag gets you that that was a two hundred and eighty bucks or whatever is is for two bucks you said yeah it's for two bucks and four does actually it's for six oh. deer it's for six oh. deer the way it reads is six deer no more than two bucks good lord so two eighty not not bad and Oklahoma oh. is deer rich state man like I, I'm not gonna say like. Like in Illinois, a three and a half year old deer is going to push 140, 150. You know, what I mean, like they just get really big in Illinois really fast. A four year old deer could be pushing Booner, you know. Right. I don't know that Oklahoma is necessarily that way as far as bigger, but there are so many mature deer in the state of Oklahoma because there's just yeah. so many places for them to hide like you know the 
canopy's not very tall. It's just very brushy. Um, and like every single neighborhood, every community, behind every store, there's these large patches of brush. I mean, like, you know, out beside his house, there's a wheat field, and behind his house, there's, you know, just like a pine thicket. And the first night I was there, I looked out the field, and there was three bucks and two does standing out the field. <laughs> you know, so like, really? it's a deer rich. But I don't think it's necessarily the deer that pairs put together. The genetics are just so awesome, which, I mean, they do have great genetics, but deer live to be mature there more than they do other areas just because there are so many places for them to live. Is there a lot of hunting pressure in Oklahoma as far as uh, just, you know, local or out of state or whatever? Are there a lot of hunters that go there as a, as a out of, you know, out of, out of state destination? I don't. So like in Illinois, you get a ton of pressure from Missouri and Tennessee because we're close to, yeah. you know, well, Oklahoma, or at least in that section of Oklahoma, what's close to it is Kansas. Well, nobody yeah. who lives in the state of Kansas is leaving Kansas to come hunt in Oklahoma. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's just it's the truth. So, yeah, yeah. And then below it is Texas. Well, how, I mean, how many people are leaving Texas to go hunt in Oklahoma? If they're going to do that, they'll go to Kansas, you know. So I think right, it's one right. that kind of gets overlooked due to its location. Yeah, yeah. So are you planning on going back again uh, this year, you said? Because you said the tag is good through like January or something, right? Or uh... Yeah, um, it, it depends on what I do here in Tennessee. Like um, if I if things would have went right this morning in Tennessee – Go back to work on Monday. I work for four days and I'm off for another 12 because I took another week of vacation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would have turned around and went right back. And as a matter of fact, so this morning was my first morning hunt in Tennessee since I've been back. I just got back a couple days ago. Um, I walked through my spot and actually was setting my pack down at the tree that I was getting ready to climb this morning. And I jumped like seven, eight yards away. I didn't think anything of it. But my camera is like 20 yards away, and then my phone vibrates. So I pull it out, and sure enough, it's that camera. And it's my target buck. <laughs> <laughs> I actually almost walked into my target buck this morning. Uh, and and oh, it didn't geez. even just, he just kind of jumped, you know, ran three or four steps, and then walked past the camera. So yeah. hopefully he's not spooked too bad. But, but yeah, if that would have panned out the way I planned on it, um, I would have turned around and went right back to Oklahoma. I mean, I guess I'm one of those guys, season's never over for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I got tags somewhere, I'm going. And if I don't have tags somewhere, <laughs> I'll find somewhere that I can get them. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. So uh, when does, uh, how far does your Tennessee season go then? Uh, January the 10th, 11th, something like that. So okay. they're right at the same time. But if I hunt very much past that, my wife, my wife, I have a fit. You know, I, I give her, she gives me October, November, December. Come January the 10th, I'm just about out of time. <laughs> you <know? laughs> yeah, so you're mine now. <laughs> so, like, so I go five to eight, five, six days in Oklahoma. And, you know, mm-hmm. she was, like, she wants to. And then thankfully my mother had to take care of my daughter while she did but, you know, every day, you know, he gets off, it's just 30 days. You know, there's no yeah. help. At, there's no help 
you know, at bedtime, there's no help at all. You could tell whenever I got back, she was ready for me to get back. And it wasn't so much of just having me here. It's just having help with a baby. Right, right. No, no, I hear that. Uh, still, still, still going through that. You know what I mean? It, 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 uh, until until they get kind of old enough to, you know, take care of themselves, you know, relatively take care of themselves, you know, you're, uh, you know, you're, you're on dad duty, you know, and family life. That's, uh, you know, it, it's a constant struggle here at my house too, you know, trying to, trying to balance jobs. And, you know, my wife and I both have like really weird work schedules and, um, you know, between that and, you know, nine-year-old, it's, uh, you know, I try, I try to eke out as much as I can, you know, which, which isn't a whole lot as far as, uh, as far as uh, getting away, but you know, that's try try to make it work. Yeah, you and I have talked about that. We both have really strange schedules, so yeah, but. yeah. So anything? Uh, I've had John over an hour here, and I know you, you're probably just just ridiculously tired. But anything we haven't talked about that you want to touch on before uh, before we get off here? Um, not really. I think we've hit on just about everything that. You know, I currently got, uh, like you said, though, my YouTube channel is Ariel Assault. And if anybody doesn't mind, you know, like I said, most of this stuff I pay for myself. There are a few things that, you know, companies reach out and give me. Those are a few perks. But, you know, for me to be able to keep uh, buying those products and giving honest, good feedback and reviews, you know, whenever you guys um, subscribe to the channel, every time you watch the video, um, the little ads that play, you know, I get a little something back from that. So that really helps me out. So if you got the time and you're listening to this, I really appreciate you going over to YouTube, subscribing to Aerial Soft for me. That really helped me. Yep. And uh, everything that Zach said, yeah, 100% true. Same with, you know, Boning Soul, same deal. I mean, we're obviously, you know, Full, full disclosure, you know, I mean, you and I both make money off our channels, uh, whether YouTube pays us or, you know, Amazon ads or, or whatever, or whatever it is. So if you want to support any of this stuff and doesn't cost anybody a dime unless you actually go buy the products, then, uh, you know, click clicking on these and views and reviews and all that kind of stuff really helps, uh, really helps that. But uh, if you go check out Zach's channel, uh, you know, you'll find that he's he's pretty you know, you're, you're a likable guy, right? You come off as pretty genuine uh, on that. You don't come off as any, any kind of BS or trying to push anything or anything like that. It's, uh, that's why I kind of, I kind of like, like, like the channel, like watching you. And I kind of wanted to uh, talk to you and get to know you a little bit better because, um, you know, it's, 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 it's refreshing. There's, there's a lot of good guys and, you know, and gals on YouTube, but there's a lot of like fluff out there too. So, um, you know, it's good to pick out the good channels from, from the fluff every now and then. Well, I do appreciate you saying that, and I appreciate you noticing as well. Cool. All right. Well, Zach, hang on uh, while I uh, while I um, uh, say goodbye to everybody here. So everybody, uh, like again, uh, check out his channel. Uh, you're on Instagram too. You're under Aerial Assault on Instagram. Go check uh, go check his page out. Uh, remember to like, share, and subscribe to uh, this podcast. Uh, iTunes, if you can get to iTunes, if you probably listen to it on there, super important to go click on the ratings. Uh, it literally takes like a minute. Um, I know it's kind of a pain, but it helps like tremendously. So same with the channels, uh, you know, share, subscribe, all that other stuff. So anyway, uh, thanks for listening. And I will uh, see my voice cracked. You like that? I'm going to blame it on being <laughs> super late at night. <laughs> I'm 47 years old. My voice still cracks. All right. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. And I'll talk. See you later.